Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude and over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. Hi friends, happy new year. This is our first official podcast of 2021. I needed to take a a break last week, Um, so I did. I took a break. Good for me, right? (laughs) Um, This, I'm racing against the clock because in exactly 37 minutes, I will be going live in my carb compatibility project group. So I have to keep myself honest here and not go on any wild tangents, which is very hard for me because I love to teach. It's my most favorite thing to do (laughs) outside of playing in waves and sledding. Teaching is right up there. Um, So I'm going to have to be concise. Always a challenge, but I'm sure much appreciated on your end. So happy new year, if I didn't say that already. And um, super stoked to be coming in hot to this year. We've got 93 folks in the Carb Compatibility Project, which is so exciting. Um, The big news and why I'm dropping this podcast on a Monday instead of my usual release day on Tuesday is because we are opening up registration for your hormone revival today. So check your email. Um, I sent out a test email last week just to make sure that the emails, you were getting my emails and they were going to the right spot and all that good stuff. Um, so check your email. And like I said, last round sold out in 48 hours and I'm opening up less spots this time around. So if you want in, get get yourself in the door. We won't be beginning. The, pro, the, the program itself doesn't begin until February 1st, but I always open up registration far ahead of time. So it gives us plenty of time to order labs and do all of the things that we need to do to get our ducks in a row before we officially begin the process. So very excited about it. Um, today, what we're going to talk about is the gut hormone connection because I get so many questions, um, honestly, so, so, so many people ask, and with good reason, um, where do I start? Okay, so I, I've got some digestive issues. I have hormonal issues. Where do I begin? And now, especially since I've been sort of teasing out that the, the GI program um, is going to be, is coming out sometime in the spring, everyone's like, aha, which one do I do? So I want to make sure that it's really clear Um and you feel like you're making the best decision for yourself and you feel really supported in that decision. So we're going to talk about the gut hormone connection. And my goal is that you walk away understanding 
gee, do I start with your hormone revival or um, am I good and I should just wait to dive into the the digestive stuff? Um, now, the the gut hormones thing is a little bit tricky because it's the human body, right? It's this interconnected web and it's not black and white and it's not always cause and effect. It's, it's all interconnected. Um, I like to joke that you pull a string in one spot and like... <laughs> the, you know, something in the opposite place comes unraveled, but that's just the nature of the human bodies. Hey, we, we all, we all have them. So we should probably try to understand them, but it's, it's very hard, if not impossible to quote unquote, heal the gut until you've restored your adrenals, until you've restored your hormones. And I'm going to talk about the specifics later on. I'm going to actually break down what that means. Uh, But The flip side of that same coin is that it can be tricky because sometimes if you've got deep dysbiosis or um, a lot of stuff going on in the gut, that can sometimes be a contributing factor to your hormone picture. Now, uh, for example, if I'm looking at somebody's Dutch test, which is the test that we run in your hormone revival or one of the tests, um, if I see a lot of, a, a lot of cortisol, high cortisol, sometimes inflammation can drive up cortisol and sometimes inflammation can be derived from the gut. There's other clues on that test that, that indicate that somebody's dealing with, with some heavy inflammation. And so when I see that, if all of those, it's not just high cortisol, by the way, sometimes high cortisol, mostly high, high cortisol is because you're stressed AF, right? <laughs> right. That's usually what's going on. But, um, but there's other like little clues to, to look for on that specific test that can, might indicate, yeah, you got some inflammation going on. And so if there's a gut infection or if there's food sensitivities contributing to inflammation, you know, that, that could be something to, to look into. So I get that it works both ways. Um, so I'm going to attempt to explain how I have like the patterns that I've seen over the years. I do want to say if there is inflammation in the gut. There are things that we do in your hormone revival to address that. Um, the way that we eat, the way that we, oh geez, my screen just went black. So hopefully this is still recording. Um, the setting on my computer, it's like, it really wants to conserve all the energy. So it like shuts down all the time. It's quite annoying. Anywho, um, uh, we, there's a lot of anti-inflammatory practices and dietary strategies that we do in your hormone revival to lower that inflammation um, if it's there. There's a super duper cool study that I want to share with you, um, and it's through the company that uh, produces my favorite probiotic, BioCult. So the BioCult products, uh, probiotics, you've heard me talk about them before. I really, really like them. They're super affordable and it's what I generally recommend for kind of like a, a general all-purpose everyday probiotic. The Boosted is my particular favorite one because it's just extra strength and I think that's kind of important. Um, so anyway, this study was done on these, on this, this probiotic or these, these, this combination of probiotic strains looking specifically at calprotectin. Calprotectin, if you've ever done a stool test, you know that that is one of the main markers of inflammation in the colon. And this is kind of, this study is a little near and dear to my heart, which is probably why I'm sharing it with you because back in, um, Back in July, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, since this summer, you know that I had a pretty 
big GI flare up. And so I did a stool test on myself when, when that was all said and done. And my inflammation markers were off the chart. And I know I'm not dealing with food sensitivities and there was no dysbiotic bacteria. There was no, um, there was no elevations in, uh, in, in pathogenic bacteria. So I wasn't dealing with a gut infection. Um, my opportunistic bacteria was pretty, pretty in check. I had, I did a SIBO test that was negative. So like I knew all of the things, like everything seemed great. So I'm like, well, where the hell the, the inflammation coming from? Um, the only thing that was off was the fact that all like legit, all <laughs> of my beneficial bacteria were low. Um, I had gone on antibiotics. If you remember back in June, like if you remember, why am I saying that? Like you guys are like taking notes of my health history, <laughs> just keeping track. Um, in June, I got an ear infection, went on antibiotics. I was really sick with an ear infection, went on antibiotics. And then in July, I had the GI flare up. Coincidence? Uh, probably not. So obviously that, that antibiotic wiped out my good bacteria. And we know that those beneficial bacteria, those good, healthy probiotics have anti-inflammatory effects. So when we kill off good bacteria, hey, guess what? Inflammation can kind of run amok in your system. Anyway, back to the study, it, uh, it was showing that these, um, it, it was a double-blind randomized placebo-controlled trial, so like legit, and it showed that it lowered calprotectin uh, by taking these probiotics. So we suffice it to say that we do, um, you have access to me in your hormone revival to ask me questions like this about inflammation, and then we, we implement a lot of strategies that help us reduce inflammation. Probiotics is one such way, and you don't need to wait for your hormone revival. You can order up the BioCult probiotics. In fact, you can get 20% off if you use the code FUNK20. Uh, so just keep that in mind that there's other strategies um, that can that can help to lower inflammation in the body. It doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, you've got a gut infection. We need to do a stool test and figure it out. It could, but that is not the first place where I start. It's it just it just isn't. We always need to address digestion as a north to south process because it is north to south north uh, north to south process. So we have to identify any problems along the way. We can't skip steps. This is one of the problems that I'm seeing with functional medicine and functional nutrition right now. I'm going to go off on a tangent. I said I wouldn't. I can't not. Because functional medicine and functional nutrition is so popular, and for good reason, right? Uh, a lot of people are just sort of claiming that title. They're just like sticking functional in front of what they're doing. Maybe they don't have a tremendous amount of uh, background or experience in functional, but they're like, I do the functional thing. I took a course. It taught me protocols. Therefore, I'm a functional clinician. Honestly, you guys, this is like the main reason why I created the Functional Nutrition Academy, my practitioner training program, is because I'm seeing such tomfoolery go on in this space. It's making me crazy because the people that suffer are the people who are already suffering, right? It's the folks who are like just looking for answers. They're struggling with their health. They want to get better. You know, maybe they listen to a podcast. <laughs> I did get a piece of feedback from somebody. They, they reached out and they're like, hey, I've been listening to your podcast for so long. I love what you say. So I sought out a functional 
functional nutritionist in my area. And turns out they aren't you. <laughs> like, you know, it's just because somebody some slaps a functional um, on top of their name doesn't mean that they, they have the experience as somebody who's been doing this work for 10 plus years, right? So I really wanted to like, honestly create a bunch of really good clinicians so people can get more help. There's one of me, let's like, you know, let's, let's get, get more people help. Um, and I don't mean that in an egotistical way. I'm just, I, I'm just seeing a lot of people suffering, you know, like it's like they spend a ton of money. They, they hire some functional la-di-da. The functional la-di-da is like, okay, you have to throw down like several thousand dollars in labs they do these protocols that they learn in some like cookie cutter seminar and then their person doesn't get better, you know? So you've like invested all of this time and money and you're like not getting better. It's very, very frustrating. So I just think that happens anytime that there's, there's something that gains, you know, that's popular. There's always room for, um, people to sort of take advantage of it. If that makes sense. I, hopefully that, that came out in the way that I meant it and, wasn't just like antagonistic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's why I created my practitioner program is so um, we can create or foster uh, a sense of integrity and professionalism and goodwill and continue to establish trust in this field with folks. Anyway, there's a lot of step skipping going on because it's like this, this protocol, I call it template medicine. Oh, I've got a protocol for that. I bet you do. Um, you know, so we have like the SIBO protocol, right? There's a reason that I don't talk about SIBO protocols on the show. It's not because I haven't been asked. Trust me, I have. I've gotten at least 35 requests to talk about SIBO or in my DMs, people are like, what do you do for SIBO? What do you do for SIBO? I can't tell you because it's not as simple as taking rifaximin or herbal antimicrobials. Sometimes it is, sometimes that works, but in most cases it doesn't work or even more commonly it works at first, it reduces your symptoms, but then the SIBO comes rip roaring back. Then what do you do? Then what do you do? Right? So we really have to, um, create like structuring a gut healing protocol is more of an art form than anything else. It's kind of like a dance. Same deal with leaky gut. Everybody wants to talk about leaky gut. Everybody's got a leaky gut protocol, but this one size fits all approach to leaky gut doesn't take into account what kind of leaky gut do you have? What caused the leaky gut? And are you addressing that cause? You have to address the underlying mechanisms if you want long lasting results. If not, you know, like maybe you'll feel better for a short period of time, but then, but then it's just going to come back. So anyway, there's a reason why there is 25 hours of GI content in my practitioner program. Yeah. 25 hours. I don't mess around when it comes to the gut. Um, so the reason that I say all of that is because we really, really have to consider mechanisms in that north to south process. We really have to have a deep understanding and quite frankly, reverence for digestion uh, before we just throw somebody on a gut protocol, before we're like, hey, let's do a stool test, find the things and kill the things. That is not step one. If somebody is treating that as step one, I'm going to need you to run in the other direction because I would say 85 to 90% of the time, it is not step one for most people. Um, in Before I ever start somebody on a 
let's call it a kill protocol where we're finding the gnarly things and we're addressing the gnarly things. We need to first bolster the adrenals. We have to stabilize the immune system. We have to support the liver. When you kill off things in the gut, they release biotoxins that the liver has to deal with. If your liver isn't up to snuff, this is going to cause you to feel really, really bad. Um, asking the body to kill off a pathogen is a big ask on the immune system. So you want your immune system to be up to snuff. You want your adrenals to be up to snuff. You want, why am I saying up to snuff? I don't think I've ever said that in my entire life, but here we are. I've said it three times. Um, you really need to focus on those things. It's like, if, if any part of the body is depleted, we have to try to restore that first before we go in heavy handed, asking the body to do a big thing, right? Um, so those are all things that we do address in your hormone revival. So in that sense, it's almost a primer for diving into chronic GI stuff. In my private practice, I, I was noticing patterns and, it, you know, I think that's the sort of the luxury of doing this work long enough. You can start to sense and get your, you know, generalized patterns. And um, there is a difference between folks who were improving quickly and those who really weren't. And what I have realized, and again, this is like through clinical practice and just like seeing folks, is that ongoing chronic GI issues are often a stress thing. Um, I always have to assess where do we start, right? It's not the same for everybody. It's really like where, where does this person need to begin? And like I said, like 90% of the time, it's starting with the brain. It's starting with the brain to adrenal communication. It's starting with the stress response. I simply haven't seen good clinical outcomes the other way around. My goal in this podcast and in all the work that I do is to get people answers and to get people feeling better and to get people feeling like they can get better, right? That is so important to me as somebody who felt very hopeless for a long time. I know that folks feel hopeless. I know when they're struggling with issues, they're like, something's wrong with me. This is something that I did or nobody believes me or like there's all of this, this storyline. I know it because I lived it, right? It was, it, I get it. So my whole shtick is like, I want people to understand that they can feel better. I can't do that by lying to you and, and telling you that there are shortcuts, I can't say, oh, just three easy steps to heal your gut. It doesn't exist. It's really good clickbait. It's really great marketing. It's a lie. It's a freaking lie. And I can't lie to you. I cannot. I love you too much to lie to you. So it's a bit of a process. It's a bit of an ongoing process. I um, Somebody just wrote in, um, she did a year ago. She did your hormone revival a year ago. I'm trying to see. Oh, here it is. Um, I love this. She was listening to the re-release of Is Perfectionism Driving Your Hormone Imbalance? I, that was the last podcast that was published, I believe, right? And she said, I remember this episode was one of the driving factors for me to sign up for your hormone revival. Listening to the episode again about a year later, I realized how far I have come in decreasing my symptoms and increasing 
So decreasing my symptoms and increasing my energy. Thank you, Erin Holt, for your guidance and all that you do. First of all, so great because I think sometimes when we're um, on our healing journey, it's sometimes hard to note our progress, but then like a, a reminder like that, oh, like that's where I was, here's where I am is really cool. It's very validating. But like she's writing this a year later, you know, sometimes this this stuff takes time. There's a lot of momentum behind um, our body symptoms, right? <laughs> like there's a, there's a lot of lead up to that. And so sometimes it can take a little while to unpack the things that got you in that situation in the first place. And it's a bit of a journey. And, um, I think that's important to remember. Again, it's not sexy. It's not glamorous. It's not, you know, three steps to gut healing, but it's the truth. So keep that in mind. And so it's, it's for all of those reasons, because I'm more about getting somebody sustainable results versus quick results. I don't, I don't care how quickly it comes. I know that you do because you want to feel better. But for me, it's more about like, how can we make big, big, big changes that are going to have a long-term impact? That's the most important thing to me as a clinician. And so that's why I tend to start with the stress piece, with the adrenals. I just, it, I usually spend um, a solid two months trying to restore adrenal function before even getting into somebody's gut issues. And the more clinicians who I respect uh, the more, uh, clinicians that I speak to who like, I really appreciate their work and respect their work, the more they're, you know, they're all saying the same exact thing. So anyway, um, your hormone revival, I created that a couple of years ago. Cause I'm like, I need, this is like the process that so many people need to go through because it lays the foundation for healing in the body, anywhere in the body, immune system, gut, you know, anywhere in the body. And believe it or not, I actually find that this work is more impactful and has a stronger foothold when it's done in community. So I've done it in my one-on-one -on -one practice and now I run it, you know, I do this as a group program and it's such a big piece of feedback. That's honestly, um, I'm a lone wolf, so I'm not like a community support type of gal. So this always comes as a surprise to me, but that is honestly the biggest, the number one piece of feedback is how beneficial the community aspect is. Um, somebody wrote, knowing that there are others out there going through a similar journey makes me appreciate what I have and grateful for this journey with my YHR family. Um, I love that. It, it's like when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with folks, I don't have as much time to teach. Uh, you know, it's really like, you know, we've got an hour, like, what are we going to do? It's, it, there, it doesn't create this setup for teaching and exploring big concepts, but creating this three-month container allows the space to learn and grow and implement things together. So I really think that is part of the secret sauce. And while your hormone revival, it's not a gut healing program, okay, super duper clear about that, it does address the interplay between the gut in the adrenals, the gut and the thyroid, and the gut and hormones, okay? And that is really important. We start to work on some basic gut restoration, and then we also remove ant common antigens and really kind of prime the gut for healing. And um, I think that that's an important thing. So before I get into causes of leaky gut, causes of um, like that, that hormone gut connection, what I would say is if you're confused about, shoot, which one do I start with? Go to erinholthealth.com forward slash hormones. There's a questionnaire. You can move the cursor 
um, over, but there's a questionnaire where you fill it out. And if you notice that you chose five or more in each category, I highly, highly, highly recommend doing your hormone, your hormone revival versus waiting for a gut program. Okay. Um, because you're going to prime the pump in this program and then the gut restoration work, whether you work with me or somebody else, it's going to, um, you're going to get better results. And that's just kind of the long and the short of it. Okay. So I want to talk about causes of leaky gut. Cause I kind of just like teased out that there's different causes. There are so many things that can contribute to it. Um, inflammatory foods is one drinking is one uh, alcohol. I should, I guess I should be clear about that. Alcohol, certain medications like NSAIDs, steroids, um, infections like SIBO or H. pylori, um, autoimmune conditions can definitely play into it. Uh, of course, different types of toxins, uh, vitamin deficiencies, especially vitamin D, uh, vitamin A is also really important for, for mucosal immunity at the, the level of the gut brain injuries or brain degeneration. When I say digestion is a north to south process, north is your brain. That is where digestion begins, which is why brain health is so important to gut health. Um, but the other things are stress because, hey, that's that starts in the brain and hormone imbalances. And for t the sake of today's discussion, I'm really going to focus on stress and hormone imbalances. Um, so we know that stress phy physiology leads to leaky gut. And this is all types of stress. This is um, psychological stress, right? So like you know, you're worried about stuff, like you're ruminating all of the things that's going on in your brain. This is trauma, even old trauma. You know, we go through traumatic experiences throughout life, even if it's like a little mini trauma and our brain makes decisions on how we interact with the world from there on out. And that can absolutely affect your gut. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without questions. Boundaries is a big one. You better believe we do some boundary work in your hormone revival. I am not letting you out. <laughs> I am not letting you out of my program without addressing boundaries. I mean, if you think about leaky gut, which is essentially the lining of your gut is supposed to be a, bound, uh, a barrier system. And there are openings of that barrier system that let things kind of slip through the cracks. It's a literal boundary breach, a literal boundary breach, leaky gut is. So sometimes in life, we have to think about where are our boundaries being compromised? You know, are other people compromising our boundaries? Are we compromising our own? Like, is there, is there something that we need to explore here? Um, I know that's a little bit more on the metaphysical side, but we can't ignore it. We can't ignore the metaphysical side. Uh, we're doing ourselves a huge disservice when it comes to our, um, our bodies and healing if we do. Stress also reduces blood flow to the intestines. And the cool thing about the lining of our gut and our intestinal cells is that we can rebuild them. We can rebuild them pretty darn quickly, like somewhere between three to seven days. We're just kind of like churning out new cells. Take a minute to let that sink in and have like a real deep appreciation for what your body does. It's building out new cells all the time. Like that's pretty magical. That is uh, deserving of some respect right there. 
And um, it only, we can only do this if we have the appropriate um, inputs. And blood flow is one of those inputs. We need adequate blood flow to our intestines to repair, to rebuild, and to prevent that leaky gut process. So if we don't have adequate blood flow, that's really detrimental to the GI tract, right? And this is what stress does. Stress um, shunts blood flow to immediate survival. So it's pulling it away from things that we don't need for immediate survival, like digestion and, hey, like hormone health as well. Uh, We know that high cortisol, high catecholamines, those are other stress hormones, high CRH, cortisol-releasing hormone, all of those things can break down the lining of the gut. It puts us in a catabolic state where we cannot regenerate the lining of the gut. Again, that's that's a problem that's going to impact our ability to rebuild. Um... High cortisol also decreases secretory IgA. Secretory IgA is, um, it's like our, it's our mucosal immunity. It's really like the first line of defense. We have it in different parts of our bodies. We have some in our saliva. We have a lot in our gut in the mucosal layer of our gut, and it has an impact on repairing. It has an impact on, uh, leaky gut. If we have suppressed secretory IgA, we have suppressed gut immunity. So then we can see more GI infections. We can see more bacterial or fungal overgrowths. We're also more likely to have overactive dendritic cells, which probably doesn't, probably sounds like gobbledygook to you right now. But if you have food sensitivities, this is where I want you to pay attention and listen up. Dendritic cells, whoops, they're immune cells in our guts with like these long arms, almost like octopus, uh, octopus arms. And they, they're in your small intestine and they're reaching around to sample foods that you're eating. And they're doing that to determined determine if it's friend or foe. So should your immune system react to this or no? Yes or no? Um, we're supposed to have ample secretory IgA is the first line of defense. So if if cortisol's high or we've got adrenal issues, secretory IgA can be low, and therefore dendritic cells have to kind of do the work of secretory IgA because it's not there. So these dendritic cells get hyperactive. When they get hyperactive, when they're being constantly stimulated, they can start to tag things like, oh, fo, 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 ah, immune attack, immune attack. And so we can hyper respond to foods. If you have a lot of food sensitivities, this process is probably going on for you. So you can go leaky gut, leaky gut, leaky gut protocol all day. It's not going to move the needle on this overactive dendritic cell situation. Um, So if food sensitivities are your bag, what I'm going to need you to do is first, obviously, clean up the diet, right? Remove the highly antigenic foods that your immune system might respond to. You also want to address your stress. You need to calm everything down. You have to calm the brain down. You have to calm the nervous system down first and foremost, right? We have to work on the adrenal picture because that has a big impact to secretory IgA. So all of the things that we do in your hormone revival, that's why I kind of say it's like priming the pump, even though it's not a quote unquote gut healing protocol. It's a, it's a process that helps support the entire system to kind of quiet down what's going on in the gut and then also get you ready to go in gangbusters to address any overgrowths. Um, There's a cool study 
It's uh, on PubMed. Um, you can search it. I'll, I'll, I'll just throw the link in the show notes. Um, it's stress induces endotoxemia and low-grade inflammation by increasing barrier permeability. So what that's saying is that stress creates leaky gut, which then creates inflammation and endotoxemia. Endotoxemia is when LPS gets into the bloodstream. LPS stands for lipopolysaccharides, and it's this... Um, it's on the outside. It's part of the structure of gram-negative bacteria. So we see it a lot with, with pathogenic bacteria. And it's, it's, it's not something that they release. It's just structurally on the actual bacteria. And we, we kind of like deal with this in our gut, like not a problem, not a problem. But if the gut opens up, with leaky gut and that back those bacteria get into the bloodstream LPS is now in the bloodstream it is wildly inflammatory to the body and it's linked to a great number of uh, health challenges i should really do a podcast specifically on LPS i'll i'll add that to my list um or endotoxemia this is a big deal this is a bfd BFD, a big freaking deal. So we know that stress does this, okay? So we have to get a handle on our stress. And I, it, that is so much easier said than done, which is why I have a three-month process to help you with this. Um, also, overtraining can, um, just to toss this out there, not really the point of the show, but I want to let you know that overtraining also induces leaky gut. And this is something that we really address in y, uh, YHR. Somebody wrote in saying the biggest takeaway that she got from the entire program was shifting from this idea of I need to control my body to my body is an amazing machine that just needs my support and for me to get out of its way. Uh, the biggest challenge for me is beginning to question the beliefs I have long defended about what types of exercise and food restriction I need to make myself smaller and trying to understand that my body can tell me what it needs. And holy smokes, if that is not lifelong work, then I don't know what is. So kudos to her for like really looking at those long held beliefs and questioning them and saying, does this serve me? Does this make sense? I, um, that, and that's what I mean by like we creating this container allows us to explore these allows us to explore this. You know, it gives us the time and the space and the community to unpack these really large topics. Okay, so I didn't make the 35-minute cutoff and I had to pause <laughs> and go do a live stream. You wouldn't be able to tell because of my sweet editing skills, but I just did a 90-minute live stream Q&A. There were so many good questions. I mean, 93 people, there's a lot of questions, right? So that was really fun. And now I'm back. I just made a smoothie that I want to tell you about because it was quite good. You can hear it in the background. Um, I So I'm doing the CCP myself. And I always do it every January. And so, which means I'm just being extra mindful of sugar, but also starches as well. And just following the process that I built. And so I'm doing more low sugar car, um, low sugar smoothies. I'm not using a ton of fruit. Um, so I want to, if you, that's like your vibe or you're doing the CCP and listening to this, I want to tell you exactly how I just made this smoothie. I, uh, used avocado as the base and I used almond milk. I actually just used Califia farms because that's what I had in the fridge. So it's like almond coconut milk as the liquid. And then I used 
um, a raw carrot, which sounds super weird, but I actually throw those into my smoothies quite a bit, especially if I'm going to do like um, a, you know, cinnamony ginger type of vibe. I like that paired with carrots. If you have a high speed powered blender, it blends it up super fast. And then I, um, and if you're not being conscious of carbohydrates, what's really good in this type of smoothie is uh, roasted sweet potato. Roasted is the key because it gets very sweet when you roast it in the oven. Um, this is so off topic. But everyone's always asking for smoothie recipes. So I'm giving you this because it was so good. I don't share the stuff that are, that are clunkers, but I share the stuff that's good. Um, and then I added Organifi Gold Powder. So that's the turmeric milk. And ideally, the way that they have it is for hot purposes. So you're making like a golden milk. Um, and I do that and it's tasty, but I also really like it in smoothies. And I do the same thing with the Harmony blend, FYI. Um, they have a new blend, it's called Harmony, and it has herbs like maca and vitex and um, um, other herbs to, that really support female hormones. And it's like a chocolate type of flavor. So they, they recommend doing uh, like a hot chocolate with it. It's very good that way, but I've also been adding it to my smoothies a ton. Um, so just know that if you are, uh, I know a lot of you are really vibing with the Organifi products and you don't always have to use them for hot purposes. Throw them in your smoothies. They're so, so, so tasty and they're sweetened. So if you're cutting back on the sugar, I, I really like to use sweetened powders in my smoothies when I'm not doing a ton of fruit. So um, they really work with that. You can use code, remember, FUNK to save 20% off of the entire Organifi website, any purchase, as much as you want, uh, stock up. So anyway, back to the smoothie. I use a scoop of the Organifi powder. I use some collagen peptide just to throw some protein in there, a little bit of hemp seeds too, because hey, why not? And then I did fresh ginger root and a ton of cinnamon, like a lot of cinnamon, and then sea salt. Ginger, cinnamon, and sea salt together in a smoothie are, it's one of my favorite combinations. Um, I have my graham cracker smoothie recipe on my website that you can check out. And it's like kind of similar, um, kind of a similar vibe, but anyway, try that out. If you're looking for new smoothie recipes, I don't do a ton of, um, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say I don't do a ton of cold smoothies in the winter. I do. I do. That's a lie. That's a lie. I was just going to blatantly lie to your face. I don't know why. Um, Okay, let's get back to the task at hand, shall we? We're going to talk about, we're going to continue our conversations on hormones and gut healing. Now we're specifically going to talk about, you know, less of the stress hormones and some of the other ones. So all of these that I'm about to list off can all lead to leaky gut. Low thyroid hormones, so hypothyroidism, uh, low progesterone, low estrogen, and low testosterone. So if you've ever had your hormones tested and they're all low, which is something that we see pretty frequently in your hormone revival, then um, it's it's really challenging to regenerate the lining of the gut because we need hormones to do that. We need hormones to essentially regrow the intestinal lining. And we won't have set success trying to, quote unquote, heal leaky gut if we're deficient in progesterone, testosterone, estrogen, or we're hypothyroid. So all of these hormones do impact intestinal cell healing, which is, hey, why it's not a bad idea to start with the hormones. Like, like you know, chicken or egg scenario, which one do we start with? Do we start with the gut? Do we start with hormones? You know, it's not a bad idea to do it in this way. With hypothyroid, and I know a lot of you listeners have hypothyroidism, um, 
it, it, what's interesting is that um, we know that tr- hypothyroid, I'm stumbling over my words, uh, with hypothyroidism, it can affect motility, right? So we can see constipation. When we see, when we have low motility, we can start to see more SIBO because we're just not clearing things out. Things aren't moving as quickly as they should. We can see dysbiosis. We can see lots of different things. Um, thyroid hormones also help to support immune cells like T cells and B cells, and it can improve immune response against antigens and really can help to support uh, just overall gut health. So there is a big connection there. And um, it is something like there there are some folks that just kind of can't get a grip on their constipation or their motility issues or their, um, their gut. And a lot of it is could be coming from the fact that they're hypothyroid. So that's always something to, if, especially if you're struggling with ongoing GI stuff, it's, it's something to keep in mind and, and to take a peek at other ways. And I'm, I'm trying to remember if I've ever addressed this on the podcast, you know, it, if I have it, honestly, it bears repeating, but there are very specific ways that stress affects digestion. So I'm going to kind of just like go through them because the truth of the matter is that there is no pill and there's no supplement that can replace mindfulness, that can replace slowing down, that can replace saying no, that can replace boundaries, you know, like creating boundaries in your life. And so all of these things are ways that we can support and reduce our stress. And these are really super big concepts that we learn and apply in your hormone revival. Um, somebody else wrote in and said, I definitely have an appreciation for my body that I did not have before. I've always been upset with my body because I struggle with long-term chronic issues, but I've learned how great it actually is and how much it really is trying to do the best it can. I also feel that I have a way to move forward in a better direction mentally, physically, and emotionally, right? So we're, we're kind of, um, we're really working on the stress piece, but then it has this trickle down effect. And one of the ways that it has a trickle down effect is, um, it affects digestion. So if your brain, you know, I said that it's a top-down process, a north to south process, the brain being at the tippity top, the brain has to like choose to switch into rest and digest mode. We need, that's where we need to be before we can, or any of our digestion can work appropriately. If that doesn't happen, then nothing else further on down the track is going to work appropriately, right? So we're not going to produce adequate stomach acid. We're not going to produce adequate digestive enzymes. All of these things are going to impact your digestion. Um, an acute period of stress can sometimes increase temporarily hydrochloric acid in your stomach, but chronic stress will cause low stomach acid. And we know I've talked about stomach acid a bunch here on the show, on Instagram, like all over the place. And we know that how detrimental low stomach acid can be. This is a, this is a big thing that we see with chronic stress. And, um, when we have low stomach acid, this can lead to reflux. Um, it can lead to bacterial overgrowth throughout the entire GI tract. It can lead to pathogenic overgrowths. It can lead to malabsorption of nutrients. It can lead to us not breaking down our protein adequately and then setting us up for food sensitivities as well. And um, 
we, it's just a, it's just a problem. And so we have to, you know, we can mainline HCL supplements till the cows come home, but we have to go from the top down. So we really have to address the, the brain piece, the stress piece. So we're, we can start to produce adequate stomach acid again. Um, that acidity is really important because it kind of sets off the next chain of events. So it tells the pancreas to release pancreatic enzymes. It, we need those pancreatic enzymes to break foods down appropriately. Um, we uh, Stress really affects peristalsis, the, the rate at which food moves through the GI tract. So some people under stress notice an uptick of peristalsis, so maybe some nervous diarrhea. And then some people under chronic stress will actually struggle with constipation. Long-term constipation is one of like the most challenging things to work with because it's usually a brain down issue. Um, and so you have to address the brain piece. Um, and we don't really have time today to get into the whole brain gut access, uh, connection, but just understand that the brain and the gut talk to each other and they talk to each other bi-directionally, which means that the, the gut speak, communicates up to the brain and the brain communicates down to the gut and the digestive system has its own nervous system. And this is like the real big take home piece that, especially if you're listening and you struggle with chronic digestive stuff, uh, this is, this is a really good thing to sink your teeth into, so to speak. The, the digestive system or the yeah, the digestive system has its own nervous system it's called the enteric nervous system and it is in direct communication with the brain's nervous system and so it stands to reason that if your 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 nervous system is jacked up your brain's nervous system is jacked up then it can affect your gut and actually recently um, in November through December I I had some personal stuff going on, which sounds very like cryptic and extreme. And it wasn't. It's like super duper personal stuff to me. Um, I essentially um, smashed some ceilings, some self-perceived ceilings about myself and my life and my career and my family structure. And I was like, I basically disproved a lot of the beliefs that I held to be true about myself. This is deep, but you know what? This is how it freaking works. Um, and I was kind of like, holy shit, this is a big deal. And my nervous system got really jacked up. Like I started getting like weird nerve pain, like just weird things, you know, like when things are just like popping off all over the place and you're like, okay, all right, settle down. Headaches and, um, you know, just weird, weird, weird stuff because, I, I was like, you know, disproving, uh, core beliefs about myself. It's a big deal. It's a big, big, big deal. At the same time to no change to my diet, to no change to my exercise, to no, no, no external change, only brain, only my thoughts, literally that all of a sudden I started getting gnarly GI stuff going on, like gnarly stuff, not good. And I was like, what the F is going on here? And I even did more testing. You know, I just test myself all the time, whatever. Um, and nothing was wrong. I was like, okay, got the confirmation. So it was truly my nervous system was activating my enteric nervous system. That's how it works. If the brain is jacked up, if you're under stress, if the nervous system is firing, 
you're, it's not uncommon for you to have GI stuff. And so how do you address it? Do you go after the GI? Yeah, maybe, maybe that's part of the picture, but you cannot like, you know, solve the mystery and, you know, figure out the puzzle unless you're dealing with the brain as well. So that's, that's what I keep meaning about like North to South, North to South. There's a lot of other steps along that North to South process, but, um, North is the brain and we can't overlook it. And the autonomic nervous system is, is such a big deal when it comes to the gut. You know, we also have the vagus nerve, which we definitely don't have time to get into today. Um, but that has a has a very, very big impact on the gut as well. So suffice it to say that if you've been struggling with long-term GI issues and you're like, gee, what should I do? I super duper highly recommend going to the website, checking out erinholthealth.com forward slash hormones, looking at those um those questionnaires and saying, like, does this sound like me? If yes, I highly recommend starting with the Your Hormone Revival process. Really and truly, I do. And if you're like, you know what? This this doesn't sound like me. This isn't really this. Th- no, I think I have this like pretty well under control. I've just got some gut stuff going on. Then it makes sense to, you know, dive into the gut stuff. And, you know, and if it's me that you want to work with and, you know, waiting until spring to to do that. So that's my two cents. I hope that clears up that there is a pretty profound connection between stress in your gut, between hormones in your gut. And um, next week, I'm pretty sure next week I'm going to release a Strictly Biz episode because um, y'all asked for it. So, and I already have them recorded. So I get to release um, the follow-up to the last one that I recorded, which is all about uh, people wanting to pick your brain. If people are reaching out to you saying, can I pick your brain? How do you respond? And if you're someone who wants to pick somebody else's brain, how do you do that without, you know, without being, feeling weird? All right, you guys, I hope you, um, have a great week and I will catch up with you soon. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you got something from today's show, don't forget, subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.